Hello, passionate people. You are listening to Passion Harvest. Thank you so much for listening today. And as always, I'm so passionate to share these episodes with you. I'm Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. Every week we share new episodes talking with people across the planet who have an inspiring, entertaining and passionate story to share, taking you on a journey to discover your passion. Hello, people. My passionate guest today is Dr. Daniel Fall. Daniel is a licensed psychotherapist, has led ancestral and family healing intensives since 2005, and is the author of Ancestral Medicine Rituals for Personal and Family Healing. Daniel has lived in the Czech Republic, Mexico, Ecuador, Egypt, Morocco, and Nigeria. He's initiate of the Ifa tradition of Yorba speaking West Africa, I hope that I said that correctly, and has trained with teachers of the Mahayan Buddhism, Islamic Sufism, and different indigenous paths, including the older ways of his European ancestors. So excited to have you on the show, Daniel. Welcome. Wow, you've done a lot of traveling. I have. It's good to be here. Thanks for the invitation. And um, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I know you wanted to um, specifically speak about cultural healing. I'd love to hear more about that. I'd, I'd love to know everything about ancestral healing as well. But should we start with cultural healing? Yeah, let me let me give a little context first, yeah, I guess. Please. I'm uh, To situate myself, I'm a, a descendant of settler colonialists to North America. I live in Western North Carolina. It's traditional Cherokee land. But my own ancestors of blood are English, Irish, German early arrivals to North America and wasn't raised with any kind of ritual or ceremony or stuff like that, but I sought it out as an adult or as a teenager really. And so I've spent the last 25 years working with different teachers of all kinds of different spiritual systems, but especially earth honoring kinds of traditions, some indigenous, some not. Um, also a doctor of psychology and a therapist and I I'm a full-time ritualist, so I teach about ancestral healing, about animism or uh, earth-honoring values and how to apply those with ritual, how to reclaim those kinds of values. And not only, but I tend to most often work with people who weren't raised with the framework for ceremony, ritual, spirituality, talking to the spirits, talking to the plants or the dead or things like that. And so a lot of what I do is help people to reclaim the, those capacities. And I see that as a kind of cultural healing. It moves us toward recognizing the reality, the personhood, the relatedness of these other than humans whom we're embedded in relationship with. And gradually, one of the implications of that is to move toward legal political frameworks that see these others as legit people, that they have rights, they have a voice, and our way of life respects them. And so that's not a set of that. That's not something that's only for indigenous people. That's for the other 95% of humans on earth as well. So, so working in that terrain keeps me busy. There's a lot to be done. <laughs> um, and when you mentioned other than humans, what were you referring to? Well, look, we're conditioned most people are conditioned to only see other living humans and not even all of them because of histories of and legacies of racism and sexism and homophobia, transphobia, etc. Uh, 
we're, we're conditioned to see just other living humans, maybe just some of them, as legit people. And so when I say the other than humans, I'm talking about the gods, the strange old powers whose bodies we think of as nature, the animals, the plants, the mountains, the rivers, the stars, the dirt. And they are kin, they're relatives, they're family. They are as intelligent and relational as we are. And we tend culturally to have lost a framework to relate with them directly because of colonialism and you know the just the way culture broke down in a lot of Europe and other places and then that got exported as uh, European colonialism to North America Australia etc so the other than humans can include so many kinds of people and it's a you know it's a broad way of speaking to you know it's a big category right for oak trees we're in the other than oak trees category but you know it's a way of suggesting that the universe actually doesn't center around humans only. And so it's our responsibility, if we want to be ethical and kind people, to come back into relationship with the others. And to do that, we're like, well, we lost a context or a framework for it. So, yeah, that's what I mean when I talk yeah, about the others. I, I love the terminology. I think it's great other than humans. I completely agree with you. I guess I'm just fascinated. I mean, you're so passionate about it. How did you get into this? How, how, I mean, everyone has, sorry to interrupt, but I'm so excited to talk to you, but everyone has their different methodologies for healing or reconnecting or teaching. How, how, did, how did you know how to do this? How did you get into it? Somebody sold me some LSD when I was in high school and wow, that was really impactful. <laughs> um, but then I started studying and I'm like, what was that? And I, you know, just eating strong drugs alone will not make you wise and kind but the for me it was it was one it was one factor that led to me having a direct experience of the existence or the reality of other kinds of forces that i didn't have a framework for so it set me on a path early on of studying about that and then since being a late teenager i had uh, the good fortune to connect with living teachers uh, revival forms of shamanism and paganism and ritual so it gave me a basic framework. It's like, oh, I can talk to the spirits of plants and animals. How interesting. This is really true and compelling, and let's proceed from here. Oh, there's deities. There's a whole mess of other people who aren't human, who are intelligent and kind and strange and available for a relationship. Interesting. Nobody told me about that. And then I come to discover that many, if not most, cultures on Earth have that framework, and there's just been a degradation of it over time. So I've done a lot of training with teachers over the last 25 years. But to start with, I just had some experiences that I was, I was trying to make sense of. And so I had the good fortune to encounter some frameworks that helped with that. Wonderful. And I know I'm going to get some questions. How, and it's quite a common question, how do you talk to trees? How do you need to put yourself in a different mind frame? Or I'll just leave you to answer that. But how do you talk? To nature i know so many people try to but don't hear anything <laughs> oh look i'm a therapist so i've trained on the topic of how do you talk to your partner how do you talk to mm. your kids and it's not that different uh, the skills that we either inherit or have to cultivate because we didn't get them to navigate human to human relationships a lot of the same skills apply when we are trying to talk to the land where we're at or to our own ancestors 
And it means we need to slow down, listen, be attuned, and you know, be attentive to what's going on in the relational field and know that the way your intuition or your uh, capacities to relate with maybe beings that aren't physically incarnate but are real are going to look different than your neighbors. Everybody's got their own style and their own way of perceiving. For some people, it might be more visual, more audio, a direct knowing, a body sensation. So there's a bit of reclaiming and honoring your own style with all of it. And also recognizing that it's, it's cultural damage that isolates us and leaves us in a condition where we have to even make this effort to come back into relationship. Because some cultures, some people on earth never lost that cultural sensibility. It's encouraged from a young age. It's normalized. It's a legit way of being. And so that doesn't mean it just automatically happens because we see it in a bigger context. But it is important to recognize that, especially, let's say, for European ancestry people, that it's been a good minute since it was legit and normal and accepted to speak to the land, to the spirits, to the dead, to the deities. And so there's an additional hurdle of breaking unspoken agreements because a lot of our ancestors based on survival needs had to give up those capacities in order to conform and to be able to provide for their children and families and to participate in the expansion of empire and genocide toward indigenous peoples. So Beautiful a, answer. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess, I, I mean, what resonated with me when you said, how do you talk to your partner or to your family or to your children? I guess it's inherently a desire to. That helps. Having something to say really helps in the conversation. It piques the interest of the others. <laughs> uh, coming from the heart. And there's a thing about not taking up all the space in the room, but okay. also not collapsing either and being like it takes a lot of training and inner work to become regular sized most people are spending a lot of time being too big too small too big too small and so just to be ourselves and to be you know the size that we are on in terms of how much space we take up and how we show up in relationship it takes uh, you know the humbling and, and work and cultivation i'm interested when you say um, the baggage that we carry from our ancestors or from particularly from the European ancestors, I don't know what your beliefs are. We've just, we've just had a brief conversation, but are you referring to sort of like our DNA coding? When we're born, we're born. Some people say we're born and you were born afresh and it is because of our environment or our upbringing, our thoughts and beliefs are cultivated or is it from a lineal bloodline as, I mean, you can have lots of terms for it. All the above. Yeah. It's nature, it's nurture, it's spiritually inherited, it's ancestral, it's land-based. The science on genetic influence or intergenerational influence of epigenetics recognizes that we do carry imprinting from the experiences of our blood ancestors, whether or not we, consciously remember any of that imprinting and it's a great uh you know take australia or mm -hmm. united states or canada it's a great uh, way to underscore the need for really tangible reparations not only the returning of land but also 
uh, substantial physical reparations because the ways that generalizing here, European ancestor people have benefited, benefited from the abundance of the land in those places through settler colonialism has led to physical advantages for European ancestored people that continue to reverberate today, like epigenetic body level advantages. Uh, and the uh, theft that has harmed Aboriginal people, Indigenous people, Native people, First Nations people, uh, leads to uh, epigenetic uh, disadvantages and physical harms that continue to reverberate today. And so we're not separate from our ancestors. We carry both the blessings that they have cultivated and the unpaid debts that they've incurred. This is good news, really. It's kind of a downer bit of news at first, but it means we have leverage in the cultural healing if we can sit in the position that we're born into and accept the implications and the accountability that comes from that. It means we can usefully participate, not just in personal healing, but systemic healing through generations that includes the dead, because they're not really dead, they're present with us. Mm -hmm. So everyone needs to come and have training with you, I guess. You know, I got busy because there's a lot of need. I'm like, oh, man, I created a system that kind of works and gets at things. Other people are getting at it too, but, you know, have one method. And then it, I started to feel overwhelmed with it. So I just in time started training others. So there's about 50 people so far that wow. I've trained to guide session work and they're guiding trainings and coming to Australia next year and oh you have to let us know i'll put it on the yeah, show <laughs> yeah to be in sydney and, and melbourne and, oh i'm uh, coming yeah it's, I, need, uh, I need some ancestral healing well <laughs> the folks that i've trained in session work do work from wherever it doesn't have to be oh okay remotely it, it doesn't have to be in person because the work is not like uh hey louisa let me tell you what your grandmother needs to say to you it's stepping you through directly connecting with your own ancestors including the much older ones to access what is already healed and well and beautiful from them and to ask the older wise and well ones to step forward and to receive and heal up the ones among the dead who are still suffering because just dying doesn't make you wise and kind it makes you mm -hmm. not in a body anymore and so there's a lot of suffering that doesn't get addressed among the living and people die and then it's still unaddressed and among the dead so it's like ghost work, cleanup work that I do a lot of. And it's generally done remotely, is it? Yeah, it doesn't have to be done. It, the, the way in which it's achieved is the individual is coming into dialogue with their older healed ancestors and asking them to heal things up. So I do trainings in person. Mm -hmm. I was just in Europe. I did trainings in five countries there and, and traveled. Yeah, I traveled to teach the work, but the actual stepping through it doesn't have to be sitting with the living practitioner because mm -hmm. uh, your ancestors are with you. It's just about asking the right questions and being safely guided through a process until that process is internalized enough to just do it on your own. Yeah. Uh, so it, it just say I was to participate, it would have it be a facilitator guiding me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and from that in a short amount of time, 
an outcome of it is that you're in direct relationship with your own ancestors and nobody needs to get between that connection. That's a lifelong source of resilience and nurturance and uh, guidance and protection that you can draw on. And it's not that people aren't already in connection with their ancestors, but bringing it conscious mm. uh, just allows for a, another level of depth of intimacy of connection. This is amazing. You're so, I've, I've got a question for you. You're so calm and relaxed. And I found that a lot of people, um, when they have great insight like you yourself and you're having, you know, this incredible passionate life, have challenges made you grow? Or have you had a lot of challenges in your life? Oh, geez. Yeah, of <laughs> course. I'm not actually that relaxed. I'm kind of an anxious person. Oh. And I uh, am kind of, I, I guess I'm strategically patient, but that, like I actually am kind of driven and have a lot of wiry, anxious, wiry energy in my constitution. I have been fortunate to not be completely run over with trauma in my life, but because I have pushed at my own growth and development, that's naturally generated challenges and leadership challenges. And you know, I'm a dad now, I have an almost two-year-old, and just being a parent is challenging, even when the conditions are good. And, and so, sure, I have challenges, and yeah, relative to a lot of people there, pretty moderate but sure earth is totally unsafe and unpredictable so there's like there's no way around it um, yeah. but i've been pretty fortunate I, my learning has been a bit self-driven rather than imposed by getting rocked by life for the most part yeah. but you're lucky some people need that giant push to <laughs> move no, forward i know i'm trying to run ahead on the leash if i, <laughs> if I get out of balance i'll get rocked i know so that's fantastic Wow. Um, what else would you like to talk about? I know you mentioned ancestors. Would you like to discuss a little bit more about that? Well, I'd like to talk about the ecological crisis that we're in on Earth. Sure. We're in a complete disaster condition that is likely to, that is on trajectory to deepen during our lifetimes and the lifetime of the children being born. And so there's so much to could be said about that but what i'd say is it's important for each person each person listening to know that we each have our own unique specific kind of contributions and gifts and destiny or vibration if you will or quality of energy to bring to the earth it's possible to intentionally try to remember that even more and allow that to inform things like vocation or just how we spend our days or how we show up with people and what we're, you know, what we're doing with our time. And it's possible to not run from the grief of all the loss and trouble that's happening, but learn to feel deeply what's going on in the world if you don't already. And that a lot of the troubles we're trying to address of the legacies of racism and sexism, colonialism, and just totally exploitative economic systems these are ancestrally generated troubles. They're systemic troubles that people who lived before us set in motion, and now we're inheriting. And so coming into relationship with the ancestors is one aspect of your ritual practice or spiritual life or just everyday life. doesn't mean you need a new identity around it. It can be good because it 
increases the amount of um, like leverage and power and perspective that you can bring to what you're doing with your life that you is it mm, another way of saying it is it's tough to fulfill what we're here to do in isolation we need relationships and we need others to take care of it and our own ancestors can bring some of that backing some of that clarity so we're going to be dead soon everybody and it's good to not waste the time with it and so we're in crisis and part of the response to that is to get really relational about it and come back into dialogue with the, with the land with the ancestors with the bigger uh, network of beings that we're embedded in that's nice normal. message yeah it's, it's doable that's the last thing i'll say is it's um, mm. about that is uh it's not a spiritual thing so much. It's just a human thing to be relational. So be mindful, be aware. Identity. Yeah, so. And I just want to clarify, when you say ancestors, you don't necessarily mean uh, previous family lineages. No, I do. I mean you them. Do. I, I don't necessarily mean only them. There are other kinds of ancestors. But I do include and happen to emphasize a fair amount work with blood lineage ancestors. Okay. And... Even if your family, your living family, were really difficult and uninspiring, harmful people, it's especially important to work with your lineages to heal things up. And Probably that, even that more means, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it means connecting with the much older ones as well, the ones before remembered names and before the big troubles. Yeah, I do. I think it's important to work with ancestors of blood as okay. one aspect of things but that's just my own that's my own bias so i'll own that yeah no lovely and just a couple of final questions um we talk about ancestors and obviously if you talked about the importance of the earth and the land mm -hmm. when someone feels a particular resonance with a place or, or around the globe a piece of land is that what do you th what do you think that is i mean it can be many reasons but when they're just, you know, love the place, feel like home, what does that mean? We're the earth walking around. This the earth looking out through us. We're not separate, you know. Uh, I the the quality of where is home, where do I belong? Mm. We can find a real sense of resonance in different lands and cultures, and some of that might be from kind of memory that travels with us from other times and places or incarnations, if you will. It doesn't mean we necessarily need to do a thing about it. Besides make a lot of space for those things to breathe. We don't always have to move to those places or, you know, it's a very privileged approach to be like, well, I'm just going to move there. Mm -hmm. um, but whatever helps us to love more fully the earth and the people around us is good because it'll increase our level of uh, heartbreak when those things are damaged and our level of commitment and investment to being here. A lot of folks are a little one foot in, one foot out. It's a tough way to live. It's tough mm -hmm. to be all the way here too, because then you're vulnerable. Things change and then you really get affected by it. Yeah. But it's where the action's at. So if recognizing your love for a place helps you to expand or cultivate that love into other areas as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great way to look at it also because not only that, it cultivates your own self-love. Yeah, it's like that. 
yeah. which I think is fundamental. I always like to ask my guests on the show um, if people are looking to find their passion and potentially live their passion or their, you know, their connection with their soul. What is your advice? I think a lot of what we're made of is not just personal. And so my usual prescription on that is get to know in a deep way and in a sustained way your own ancestors and then bring them in conversation with the land and the ancestors of the land where you're at if you're not living in a place where your people have been in the earth for a long time. And so from that conversation of your own people and your body wisdom and the wisdom of the earth where you're at, you can just hold the question like, make me a useful person, put me to work. There's a lot to be handled, like mm -hmm. bring me some beautiful and meaningful vision of how I can be helpful. Because we can talk about passion and that's good. And another lens is like actually being of useful service. If people want to have a real sense of healthy self-esteem, there's a need to learn how to effectively help others. And so beg the earth for a meaningful life. You get a response. I love that quote, beg the earth for meaning. That was great. Thank you so much. Um, I'd love just briefly to talk about your website and your offerings on your website. Yeah, my, my site is ancestralmedicine.org. And there's a lot of free talks and kind of things there. There's also an online course that begins next week. We're here in September and it stays open until mid-October. And online courses about ancestral lineage healing and then trainings in person in North America and Australia and other places on, um, again, ancestral lineage healing. So there's a lot of resources there. I'd encourage people to go there, check out, sign up for the newsletter, that kind of thing. And it, you know, our team is really committed to making the work accessible to people of all different backgrounds and means. So. Fantastic. And anyone that's listening or watching, all your details will be in the show notes. Dr. Daniel, thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. It's been an Thanks. absolute insight. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you would like to know more, follow Passion Harvest on Instagram or Facebook. We would love to hear from you. Tell us how you are living your passions. Please subscribe to our podcast and please rate and review it. Share it with a friend and inspire them to develop their passion. Goodbye and until next time, keep spreading that passion.